Welcome everybody to the Bush and Me show. It's our week three segment show. There you go, Bushy. How you feeling, Bush? Hey, I'm straight. I ain't even gonna lie to you. I'm feeling good. NFL was a little crazy last week, but man, I'll let you go ahead and get into it. But uh, I'm excited to kind of talk about all this. Very excited. We're gonna start off with what's new after week two. Injuries jump out the most. Man, I've never seen more ACLs, MCLs, really, but injuries as a whole. And it was mainly on Sunday. Uh, you had Saquon Barkley, just just a short list. Saquon tore his ACL. That's McCaffrey, a blower. Blower. I mean, for fantasy, next up, McCaffrey with the ankle injury out four to six weeks. That's pick one and two in fantasy right there. That's, that's their whole uh, – that's the Carolina Panthers. They built their whole offense around that guy. You go to Denver and you got Drew Locke hurt his shoulder, but they look pretty good out there with Jeff Driscoll. They did, but you know who? Driscoll uh, came in there. The opposing team, look, they they didn't have no film on it. They didn't know what Driscoll was going to do. Uh, come next week, they're going to know Driscoll's tendencies. They're going to know what he likes to do. They're going to have a plan for him. So let's see. That's fair. He won't have Cortland Sutton to throw the ball to. Another ACL injury there. Then we get to the San Francisco 49ers. Whole team got obliterated. Jimmy Garoppolo, high ankle sprain. You got uh, Raheem Mostert, sprained MCL. Uh, Nick Bosa, you go to the defensive line. This was in three different plays. Boom, boom, boom. Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas torn ACLs. A lot of injuries there. Then you go to Tyrod Taylor. You got doctors out there injuring the players. Like, it ain't bad enough on the field. Lawsuit. <laughs> We got a lawsuit there. So a lot of injuries. We did talk about this, if you guys remember, in our uh, preview show of the whole season. Plus, back in COVID, when it was like April, May, June, when we had like Mark Ingram and Javon Armstead, Armstead on, they, we were talking to everybody. Teron, you know, Teron Armstead. Teron Armstead. Unbelievable. We're going to find out who um, has been working out and who's been eating. Remember we were talking about that? And we said the one th when Ja was on, we talked about the one thing that's going to worry us is injuries coming up because there's no preseason. Well, I, that's I got to have a big effect on it. To me, it's like, yeah, there was no OTAs, there's no mini camp, there's no team training, you know, so guys are pretty much doing everything on their own. And then you get into training camp, and it's an abbreviated training camp because when the guys first came back, what did they have to do? They had they were in workouts with the team but kind of not with the whole team. They were going at certain times. So it's like, even though training camp is a beast and can wear on your body a lot, I think training camp is necessary. I can say that now that I'm retired off the league, but <laughs> if you would have asked me uh, four, five, six, seven, eight years ago, I'd have been like, man, let's cut training camp and have no preseason games. But to <laughs> me, I feel, <laughs> I feel like the lack of team activities, I feel like, I'm going to say this, as a once veteran in this league that played for a long time, the lack of no preseason games is the reason that these guys, especially a lot of key guys that are getting hurt, a lot of difference makers in their, on their teams are getting hurt. And why is that happening? You have no preseason games. Now, I think it is a bit overkill when you're talking about four preseason games, but if you take it to two, but let's go back to the four. If you have one, your starters at least get to get out there. You know, they get to feel the game a little bit, get their body used to playing full contact football, high speed, 100%. So then the next game, you get to do a little bit more rest, do a little bit more rest. The fourth game, you're done, You now you get to recover. Now these guys are just going straight from training camp 
and the first time they hit another person is week one. So do their bodies have enough time to recover? Um, I, I really Apparently think not. There's, I think there's some kind of uh, correlation between those two. Absolutely, absolutely. Now we get to see the flip side of it. No preseason, so your depth on your team has less reps and less experience. So you're throwing in more guys that don't have as much contact, their body's not used to it, like you said, or don't even have that much experience. So we're gonna we're gonna see coming up this week how that translates. Yeah, I really I really think the no preseason games and the the abbreviated training camp is kind of also exactly the two points you just made. But then let's look at the timing aspect of some of these teams out here, especially your older your older players who kind of rely on some of those preseason games. I'm looking at a guy like Drew, I'm looking at Tom. It just seems like things aren't really clicking right now. And it's not just the older guys, it's some of the younger ones as well, but I think some of the younger uh, quarterbacks are able to lead their teams to victory. They got, you know, the way they approach the game is a little bit different. So I don't know, man, the next couple of weeks will really be uh, a telling time in the NFL. There were some good things in week two, though. We saw the Cowboys go down 20 to nothing after the first quarter, come back and win 40 to 39. One of the most obscure onside kicks I've ever seen. The ball was just rolling, rolling, rolling. You were part of one of the most, uh, you could say, one of the most famous onside kicks. Super the Bowl 40. The most, the, the most, most famous ambush, onside ambush, kick. Ambush kicked by uh, what'd you, my What did you my, think my about that one? Which one? The, the Dallas one. Uh, I thought it was a lack of preparation by Atlanta Falcons. I think it was a lack of focus. Uh, Dallas is the only team that needed the ball to go 10 yards. Atlanta could have jumped on it at any point in time. There were guys looking around. They were they were around the ball. They just didn't jump on it. That's the opportunity you take. You don't wait for Dallas to have the opportunity to jump on the damn ball. You get on the ball. You pretty much, that, that play right there lost you the game. But, you know, it's just an in true Falcons uh, form that they would blow a big lead. It's not the first time that they've done it. And now they do it again. You know, that's the Atlanta Falcons for you. Any opportunity you get to jump on the Falcons, you take it, huh? Got to, got to. It looked like nobody wanted to be that Hank Basket out there like an ambush for you. Everybody just yeah, waiting. But, it, but at least you give it a shot. At least you give it a try. At least you don't have a lack of focus. Uh, I know the special teams coordinator had to get an earful from the head coach. Of course. Had of to course. get an earful. And every single player that was out there had to get an earful as well because it's the NFL, man. These games early on, especially against a team like Dallas that is in your conference, so you might potentially need that win later on down the road if you're trying to make a playoff run. It was just a very unfortunate event because uh, Atlanta Falcons did look good offensively. Um, in that game, and they should have came away with the win, but they did it. <laughs> no, they did not. <laughs> uh, team that did come away with the win, the Chiefs had a little scare there for a while, came back and beat the Chargers on a last-second field goal. I think they were looking ahead to the Ravens on Monday night. That'll be a good matchup coming up. Um, another great game was the Sunday night game. The Seahawks held off Cam. I don't know about that play call at the end, but the Seahawks got the win there, 35-30. So a couple of great games out there. Something disappointing though that jumps out to me after two weeks is this NFC South. The NFC South we said was gonna be the most dominant division in the NFL. You had Brady coming in, you got Breeze, you got the Falcons rebuilt. They're two and six combined. And their two wins are in the conference. So really they're 0 and four playing against other teams outside the conference. What do you think about all of that? Being an ex-NFC uh, NFC South guy. 
it's it's a, it's a it's a little bit of a letdown because um, I was definitely very high on the NFC South. I thought they were literally going to come out the blocks and tear it up, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think they've been okay on certain parts to the uh, you know uh, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, but like. I was just thinking to myself, that's going to be must-see TV anytime NFC South, any one of those teams on TV. Now, I, I will go back and say, I think the Falcons are hitting on all cylinders right now. Um, but I do I, I do want to give um, Brady and, and Tampa Bay and Breeze and New Orleans uh, another week just to see how their timing issues go down, just to see if they can get all on the same page. Uh, just to see if they can start to light it up down the field like they're used to doing, or is their age catching up to them? I don't think that's really the case, but I think you have to uh, give it another couple weeks. Fair said. Uh, how about this a stat for you? I saw this posted the other day. In two games, Drew Brees has thrown the ball 68 times. Of those 68 times, seven of those have traveled more than 10 yards down the field. And of those seven, only two have been been completed. So two completions over 10 yards for Drew Brees. Do you think Drew's going to be competitive in this league? I said give him – I listened to uh, – so I believe it was Mike Triplett from down there in New Orleans did ask Drew, Drew the same question. Do you feel like your play is declining? You were getting a little <laughs> bit older. And he laughed it off like, listen, man, like – he laughed it off because I really feel like – this, this week coming up is a big week. The Packers are coming into town. They better find a way to get it together. Drew, Emmanuel Sanders, get on the same page. Drew, Jared Cook, everybody get on the same page. Traquan Smith, you're probably going to have to uh, step up again because I can't see Michael Thomas coming back, uh, dealing with that high ankle sprain right now. So I just feel like uh, I'm, I'm going to wait. About, I'm going to wait on it a little bit. I'm not going to, I'm not going to write Drew off. I'll, I'll never write him off, but I'm just going to say, um, I'm going to give them a little bit more time. You know, I just feel like some of the throws look off. That's not in, uh, in that's not, you know, how Drew does uh, business on the football field. So let's give them another week. I think they have to step up big time. They have uh, another NFC opponent coming up this week and they don't want to drop us. Have to, have to win those outside the division games because it's going to get tough inside the division, especially heading down I'm in. in the later weeks. Yeah. Well, it was an exciting week in football. We're back in action. Unless you are a Jets, Eagles, or Vikings fan, we're sorry about that. Teams don't look too uh, promising this year, but no, they don't. there's always next week if you're a Jets fan. <laughs> <laughs> but on to the next segment. Bush's Big Ballers. Who you got this week? This week right here, man, I got two 2-0 teams they are going to face off this week. The Bills are on the roll. And the Rams are on the roll. But here's a little bit of this. This is what kind of this is the question mark I have. The Bills' two victories are against a struggling New York Jets team and a struggling Miami Dolphins team. The level of competition has been a little bit of a concern, but it's early in the season with this matchup. But in this matchup, this is what I'm looking for. The Bills, of course, I feel like I talk about it every week, but it's a big deal because you have to game plan for Aaron Donald every week. The Rams are coming into town, Buffalo. So what are we going to do? But the um, the Rams run defense has struggled a little bit. I think it's important for the run offense of the Bills that hasn't been too great to be honest with you, Josh Allen makes up a third of their total offense rushing attack. Last week in Miami, um, 
Deion Dawkins and, and, and the rest of the O-line buddies with uh, Buffalo did a really great job of protecting the pocket for Allen so he could sit back there and sling it. But they're going to have to establish a run game because the Rams have not been looking that great on their run defense. It hasn't been looking that great. I think they need to find a way to really take some of the pressure off of Josh Allen running. Uh, he did have a, a beautiful stiff arm on Kyle Van Noy last week. <laughs> but you don't want to see your quarterback in these situations. You know, you, I feel like it's – I'm not trying to – I'm going to knock on wood, but I feel like it's a moment of time. You don't want to have your guy acting like a running back all the time. So I think that's going to be very important. The Bills have a great three-headed monster and wide receiver and Diggs, Brown, and Beasley. But it's going to be up to the interior line men of the Buffalo Bills to stick to the Aaron Donald plan. You, there, there's going to be – and Aaron Donald plan. And then you got to find a way to handle one-on-one the matchup of, of, of Rockers. He's a really good side-to-side -side rusher. He gets up the field really well. So that's really the um, the challenge for Spain, Morris, and Ford of the inside of the Bills offensive line. For all you fantasy lovers out there who are loving these numbers that Buffalo and the boys uh, have been putting up, they got a lot of work to do. But the work doesn't stop there, though. Same goes for the Rams offensive line coach, Aaron Cromer, which is my dog who gave me an opportunity uh, <laughs> in New Orleans and then brought me down to Bears. You see me, I'm repping the colors today. But listen, the Bills have been having success on defense as well. Six sacks, four and a half TFLs. Bills are led really on their front defensive line by the three defensive ends, Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, and Trent Murphy. Um, they have the they have the challenge of getting after the Rams. The tackles um, Andrew Whitworth and Havenstein are going to have to uh, really kind of keep that dish good. So Jared Goff has the ability to step up. He's going to probably hit it around nine, step up to seven. So that's going to be important because the DNs are really kind of creating the pressure for the Bills' uh, defense. Um, but Goff and his weapons are relying on the tackles to make sure that they can keep a, a nice clean dish. This is it's, it's an exciting matchup. This is an exciting matchup. Uh, going into this week, it's really two juggernauts. So I'm, I'm excited about that matchup because one of these trains has to stop rolling. You got another one? Give it to me. I do have another one, and that's Steelers and Houston this week. Steelers are playing tough. They're 2-0, and and Houston is 0-2. Listen up. My eyes are going to be glued to the offensive line here of Houston because who's going to get this team out of a funk? The offensive line. Who can lead this team up and down the field? And that's the offensive line. The reason the Houston Texans will roll into Heinz Field and win this game is because of the offensive line. Now, let's give you a little bit of stats on Pittsburgh's defense. Ten sacks in two games. That's five mm. a game for all you mathematicians out there. Mm. They have three interceptions. And here's the thing that really kind of caught me off guard. 24 TFLs, me, in two games? Mm. Mm. That's insane. Mm. In, their inside linebackers are Bush and Williams. They're pretty stout. But the outside linebackers are the guys you have to look forward to, that, that you have to really have a plan for. And that's the Watt brother. That's the, the, the younger. Is it the youngest Watt brother? There's so damn many. There's three of them, right? It's the second or the <laughs> I third. Believe it. I believe he's the youngest. Okay, well, anyway, TJ Watt and Bud Dupree, they are going to make a tough day for Laramie Tunsil and Howard as the, the tackles of the Houston Texans. Um, they Tunsil and Howard, they really have to find a way to make these guys a non-factor on the edge because the edge is an issue. The edge is the edge is an issue, but inside, okay, for the Houston Texans, Sharping, Martin, and Fulton, 
you got to keep Stefan to it and Cameron Hayward on the line of scrimmage. Because if you get pressure on the outside, any pressure on the outside, and get any leakage inside, it's going to be a long day for Deshaun Watson. David Johnson has 111 yards through two games. That is not good. That's not that's that's not a lot at all. But what's encouraging though, he has 111 yards on 22 carries. That's five yards a carry. Start early in the run game to take some pressure off these guys. Get the Pittsburgh Steelers guessing a little bit. All right, Deshaun Watson hasn't really been all that impressive in 2020. He has a QBR of 50 through two games. He's been sacked eight times. The Pittsburgh defense has to feel really good about this matchup because Pittsburgh loves to, loves to send the heat, but it, it worries me a little bit. Pittsburgh has 10 sacks. Deshaun Watson has taken eight sacks. What's going to give? Who's going to give? I think the Houston, Texas O-line needs to find a way to really step up in this game. So, with that being said, those are my two Bush's big baller matchups right there. I'm excited about both of these games. You're talking about the Rams and the Bills, and I'm talking about the Steelers in Houston. Love it. I love the insight. Love what you said about David Johnson, because that's who they traded D-Hop away for, and he's coming in getting 22 carries. D-Hop's out in Arizona with 22 catches already. I mean, come on, man. Like, let's go. Run this guy early, man. Like, take some goddamn pressure away from uh, from the offensive line. Don't let sit, don't sit back here and let Deshaun Watson hold the ball, because he tends to hold the ball a little bit. This is not the week for that. Give him the ball and help out those fantasy owners. Yes. Speaking of fantasy, 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 we had a big week in uh, week two for uh, me's fantasy sleepers. Jonathan Taylor came out 100 yards and a touchdown to lead that win for the Colts. Great value there because he wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the season. So if you took him, you were very happy. And Hayden Hurst was like a diamond in the rough. Came out of there seven catches. A 42-yard touchdown. So if you took Hayden Hurst, you took a shot with me on Hurst, you got a big win there. That's hitting two home runs. We did have Emmanuel Sanders Monday night who didn't pan out the way we thought he would. But, you know, if you if you pick my first two guys, you didn't need him on Monday night. And, of course, I had Ty Rob where only the doctor could hurt me there because that would have been perfectly set up for him. The way that game played out, if they had Ty Rob in that game, I don't think the Chiefs would have been able to come back. So we missed out on Ty Rob, but two home runs with Jonathan Taylor and Hayden Hurst. So we're coming strong again this week. We're heading in the right direction. I'm going to give you my four sleepers for week three. Give them to me. QB, we're going to start off with a guy who has yet to throw an interception. Uh, but not a lot of people take him in fan when it comes to fantasy. You know him. His name is Ryan Tannehill. Tennessee Titans, they're playing the Vikings this week. The over-under is 49, which is high for a Titans game. So they're thinking this is going to be a shootout. My boy, your boy, Tannehill, has thrown two touchdowns in nine straight regular season games. So you've got to look again for at least two there. That's great value for looking down for it. Vikings defense hasn't really lived up to all the hype out there. So I think there's great value here. Take Ryan Tannehill if you need a quarterback. Running back, I'm going to L.A. Austin Eckler. He's progressing nicely throughout the season. So far, short season, but 84 yards week one, 93 yards week two. We're looking for over 100 against this weak Panthers defense in week three. Over under 44, so it's a little low there. We don't like to do that in fantasy. We always say that we want to see a high-scoring game. But I think he'll get the rock enough to get some yards. We're going to get him over 100 yards. Um, 
and we're taking value here. So Austin Eckler's your sleeper running back. Wide receiver, I'm going out on a limb here. And his name is Lamb. So maybe you say I'm going out on a lamb here. Mm. CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb with the Dallas Cowboys. He's got 11 catches for 165 yards in two games. Not the best if you're looking for fantasy, but I think this is going to be his breakout game. Mm -hmm. Now you might say, hey, they're playing Seattle. They got a tough defense. Don't forget, Seattle is 2-0, but they've given up 55 points in two games. Over under in this game against the Cowboys, 56 the highest on the board. They're looking for points, points, points. I think with that whole receiving core they have there, they're you know they're going to lean towards Cooper a little bit, maybe Gallup. It's going to free up some things. I think there's a big breakout game for CeeDee Lamb. So take a sleeper there. Uh, we all know about his great hands already from the draft with his. <laughs> Give me that. Always got to slide that in there. Yes. Moving to tight end. If you need some value here, I'm going to New York. A guy who was touted very highly at the beginning of the season who hasn't come through yet this year. I think this is going to be his breakout week. His name's Evan Ingram from the New York Giants. He's got eight catches, 72 yards in two games. Not the best for fantasy if you're looking for that. This is going to be his week as well to jump up. They're missing Barkley. Um, they're playing a banged up 49ers defense. I think there's great value here. Look for Evan Ingram to step up for you at tight end. So just to recap, me's fantasy sleepers for this week, we're, they're going to be big ones, so follow them. Ready? Tannehill at QB, Austin Eckler at running back. we got C.D. Lamb, which is probably my favorite of the week at wide receiver. Tight end, Evan Ingram. Let's go, baby. Week three, fantasy. 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 Man, they done got me back on fantasy as well, man. So I might have to, uh, I'm going to listen to those picks. I might have to shuffle shuffle the deck up a little bit, you know? Shuffle them in. And if you're doing DraftKings out there, this adds great value because you don't have the same team every week. You can just go and get somebody who's, you know, undervalued. Boom, and they're going to get you some points. Mm -hmm. Moving on to our picks. The segment you guys all want to see from Bush again. Bush was more successful this last year. This year, you were 3-0 and on, on Sunday. I mean, I was 4-0 if you're going to count the Steelers. I mean, Thursday. Thursday night game. Bengals game, yeah. You were on a four-game winning streak. You're 7-4 and four overall. I am 4-7, and seven, so I got a three-game margin to make up. Listen, the public is on fire right now. Vegas is hurting. Uh, what is it? Bet Online said on Sunday that it was the most prof profitable day for their players in the history of the company. Wow. Yeah, all the players are winning money. So Vegas is letting you borrow that money right now, but they're expecting you to come give it back to them. I think this is the week it's going to happen. Last week, the only uh, underdog to win outright was the Rams over the Eagles, which was, of course, one of your games in our head-to-head -head matchup. Uh, the over, so people tend to bet the over uh, because they like to see the points. They don't like to root for a low-scoring game. The over is 20-12, and 12, which is the highest since 1985. Uh, usually the public bets the over, like I said. So my whole tactic this week, I'm going to fade the public again like I always love to. I think this is where it starts in. But you go first, Bush. Give us your first pick. Well, the last game I talked about was the Steelers and Texans, right? Yes, I'm sir. taking the Steelers over the Texans. I don't think Houston Texans, the Houston Texans are ready for the Pittsburgh defense. Big Ben is back. Juju's back. He's feeling... He looks like he's rejuvenated. 
because uh, he has his quarterback back. He had an off year last year, so I feel like he's putting those numbers back up. He's smiling a lot more, but I think Pittsburgh's defense is honestly just going to be too much for Deshaun Watson and the Texans. Uh, the Steelers will bring heat. They will not just rush four or five up front. They will bring people from all over the field, so you have no clue who's going to be trying to put the heat on Deshaun Watson. They're not going to sit back there and let him throw the ball all over the field. Like I said a little earlier, he does tend to hold the ball a little bit. This is not the week to do that. I said it, uh, going back to Bush's big ballers, Pittsburgh has 10 sacks. Mm. Deshaun Watson has been sacked eight times. It's, you're talking two games. Um, but I do think it's very important that the Steelers have a uh, pretty good run plan going into this game. They're gonna have to wear J.J. Watt and the Texans down. Uh, wear their front seven down. They do a really good job with the duo play. So they try to get a couple of double teams on uh, the Texans defenders. No pullers in this. You just let the running back be patient, use your eyes. And once you see the hole, hit the hole and go. I think it's going to be too much for the Texans. Texans are going to fall 0-3 this week. Mm. I see what you did there. Juju's rejuvenated. That's, I like yeah, it. I like he's, it. He's rejuvenated. All right. So I got three solid, three solid picks that I like. Give me your my first one. I will, but my combined records of these three teams, just to let you know how much of a limb I'm going out on this week. One in five. All three teams combined record are one in five this week. So I'm gonna give you the first one. The 0-2 Minnesota Vikings. They're at home, which I don't know how much that weight that holds nowadays, but they are at home against the 2-0 Tennessee Titans. Vegas put this line at two and a half, so it's less than a field goal for a 2-0 team versus an 0-2 team. I said this before, the over-under in this game is 49, which is high for a Titans game. So if you thought this game was gonna be structured in a way that Vegas thought Tennessee was gonna win, I think they would, they would think it was more low scoring in the 41-42. So you got seven more points there. Top it off, Tennessee's one in five against the spread the last six times they played the Vikings. I like those numbers. 75% of the public is on the Titans right now, and that's probably going to go up as we get closer to game time. And not to mention, Tennessee's 0-2 this year against the spread. They might be 2-0, but they haven't covered a spread yet. I'm riding the trends. I'm taking the Vikings and the 2.5. That's solid. I, re I really think it's kind of the it's it's the Vikings' time to play some football, to show up and 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 kind of get back to the form that they were. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to disagree with that pick. Uh, Thank you. My Thank turn. You. Yeah, you know, You're uh, up. I think it's, I think it's solid, man. Uh, Kirk Cousins needs to redeem himself now. You know what I'm saying? But pick number two's up. Can you guess who I'm going with just based on the color of my shirt? Huh? Huh? We're just going. We're just going to pour salt in the wound, Atlanta. I got the Chicago Bears coming in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, whatever you call that place. It's not the real one. The Saints had the first Mercedes-Benz arena, <laughs> uh, whatever you want to call it, Superdome. But listen, Bears over the Atlanta Falcons this year. It's Trubisky time. You know, I feel I look like I look when I see him. I feel like he's managing the game a little bit better. He only has two interceptions through two games. Um, he doesn't have the yards, but he looks a little bit more accurate. I think he's taking care of the ball more. He's he's relying on the run game a little bit more because they're getting 4.7 a rush. Rely on that run game. Rely on that defense that's led by Khalil Mack. And now you got the Quinn train rolling. Robert Quinn is back. He had a sack fumble. The sack, the, uh, the Bears' um, secondary has been solid. 
you know, kind of going back to last year. They, they still look pretty good again this year. I think the Bears over Atlanta, it's going to be a tough matchup with the weapons that they have on the outside. But I think they should be able to get the pressure from Akeem Hicks up the middle. It creates some pressure on the outside. Khalil Mack, he kind of needs his coming out party as well. <clears throat> now you got his buddy Robert Quinn back there. The, uh, the Bears are going to lose. The Bears are going to go into Atlanta and, and beat these guys this week. I got hmm. the Bears over Atlanta. Bear down. Underdog, too. Bear down. Yeah, they are. Underdogs, too. They're getting three and a half in that game, so you're taking the points. Mm -hmm. My number two, I've, I looked at this one like three or four times. I didn't know if I wanted to take it. They're banged up right now. They're limping into this game. But the more I looked at it, I think six points just isn't enough for the Denver Broncos against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think when you first look at this game, Drew Locke's out. Uh, Cortland Sutton's out. You got no Von Miller, no Phillip Lindsay. I think this game should be closer to 10 points, at least double digits. But Vegas put it at six. You got Jeff Driscoll. They just signed Blake Bortles. Um, you, you, you're going to need production from somewhere. And everyone's on Tom Brady, right? This has been Tom Brady's year. Yeah, he lost against the Saints. Last week, came out hot against the Panthers. But I don't think they look great for a whole 60 minutes yet. Right. So... I'm taking Denver here. I think some guys are going to step up. Jerry Judy, it's your time to step up. You're a rookie. Noah Fant looked good last week, the tight end. I think he's going to be consistent again. Give you some numbers here. 91%. This is one of the highest numbers I've ever seen. 91% of the public are on these bucks this week. They're a public favorite, and we're fading the public this week. Not to mention Denver's 4-1 against the spread their last five home games. So let's go with the Denver Broncos and the six over the bucks. Okay. Okay, I'm feeling that one. I'm feeling that one. Are you ready for game three? Are you ready for game three? Give me game, game three? three. You know Give it's bounce me. back time, baby. You know what time it is. Hold up. Hold up. Uh -oh. This is a family show. When was the last time they were? Oh, God. They oh, God. Huh? You're going to leave two in a row. You going to leave Corso on me. You brought the helmet. Yeah, <laughs> the I did. I did. They have not lost two in a row in a long time. And I do not see Drew Brees, Sean Payton, and then Bayou boys going into that Superdome, even though the Green Bay Packers look tough. Aaron Rodgers is, is playing motivated. The run game is strong. The defense looks good. Damn, I kind of made it seem like the Packers might win. But no, I do. <laughs> I still do like the Saints in this game because... Because I do feel like they're going to bounce back from this. I feel um, Drew's going to put in the extra work. Uh, he's going to get tight with Emmanuel Sanders. Their chemistry has to come together. It might take another couple games, but Drew, you got to find him this week. Jared Cook, you got to find him this week. Traquan Smith, step up again. We got to find you again this week. The defense, Cam Jordan, there was not a lot of pressure uh, on Carr late in that game. Uh, Trey Henderson came in, played well. We're going to need a lot more a lot more pressure out of him. I don't know if we're going to get Marcus Davenport back down in New Orleans, but Demario Davis and the rest of that defense, the defense is stacked, man. The, the secondary is good. Dennis Allen on the defensive side of the ball is going to call a much better, a much better game this year, uh, this this week. Uh, I'm excited about the matchup. It's Drew Brees, it's Aaron Rodgers. You got 
Aaron Rodgers, who's playing motivated, I feel like. And you got a Drew Brees, who's everybody's questioning if he can make it through a whole season, if if Father Time has caught up with him. I don't think it has. So I think they're going to get back to form. They're going to shock some people. I think a lot of people are going to take the Packers, but I'm going to go with the Saints on this one. You're right. 72% of the public are on the Packers because they're getting three points. 2-0 team against a team that didn't look that great on Monday night. I'd have to yeah. agree with you on that one. I like. I would lean the Saints as well. But it, it does it does I'll, worry me a little bit. The Monday night from the West Coast going back home. How's the recovery? How's the rest going to be? I'm worried about that a little bit. But they got to find a way to get it done. Sorry. Well, I'm going to go a little other way with that trend. I'm going to take the team that won Monday night that's on the West Coast that's oh, coming to the Far East Coast. The Raiders look great. Look, they're 2-0. I love Gruden as a coach. He's won everywhere he went. He's kind of responsible for that Super Bowl he played in in 2002 for both teams that were there because he grew the Raiders and then he, you know, came in and made the tweaks that the Bucks needed. I'm a big believer in Gruden. I'm just fading the Raiders this week. I think they're coming off a high. They're coming off a short week. Uh, this, this actual game right here, which is the New England Patriots, and the Las Vegas Raiders falls into a system that I have that's 63% hit rate over the last five years. So I'm going with the Patriots and the six points. Uh, like I said, I like Gruden, but I'm fading him this week. The Raiders uh, are up and coming. I like the way they're playing. I just don't trust Derek Carr either coming off. I mean, he played great in that second half. I saw you wrote on Twitter, you know, yeah. keep holding the ball again so we can come back. But he did play great. And I think he's going to come yeah, in there yeah. kind of high, kind of cocky, and Bill Belichick's going to have something lined up for him. Not to mention, the Patriots are 11-5-1 versus the Raiders at home all time. And they've never lost to the Raiders in Gillette Stadium. The last picture I remember of Gruden being in Gillette Stadium on the Raiders' sideline is the old tuck, tuck rule game. Mm. That started the Patriots dynasty. <laughs> so I I don't think it's going to be that close. I think the Patriots are going to handle them here. I think the Raiders are going to be in a hangover from beating the Saints. That was kind of their Super Bowl for right now. I'm taking the Patriots in the six points, but I think they're going to win by double digits here. They're going to up and down the field with them. Cam's on a one-year audition, and he's got something to prove. He really does. He threw the ball really well last week. It was, uh, it was impressive to see. Uh, that's going to be a, that's going to be a great matchup. Um, but I don't think this Raiders team has been coached by a coach like Gruden in a while. Gruden, I know he he had those guys going. Gruden and Sean Payton are good friends. They respect the hell out of each other. Uh, and I think it's the same kind of way with Belichick as well. I think Gruden's going to have these guys going, but that's a solid pick right there. You really can't. It's hard to go against the Patriots at home. Yep. So there you have it. I'm going Vikings, Broncos, Patriots, three teams with not great records. And you're going Steelers, Steelers. Bears, Saints. Who that? Two teams you two teams you played for. Yeah, you know, I gotta show love, baby. I gotta show love. <laughs> you, you know, you know I'm gonna take my you know I'm gonna take my dolphins on the Instagram story tomorrow, too. I'm trying to go three and oh, baby. Three and oh, you feel me? Don't preview the picks. True that, true that. All right, so there you guys have it. Week three. Hopefully this helps you guys out. Your fantasy, your gambling, all the insights you need. Who should they tell? They should tell a friend. And then that friend should tell another friend. And that friend should tell another friend just to come on over to the Bush and Me party, man. We like to have a good time. You know, week three. This is all, this, this is one thing I really ask for. 
as a former player and to see all these playmakers going down. Uh, injuries, man. I don't want to, I, I don't want to, every week people get injured, but the severity of a lot of the injuries last week, I hope that gets, I hope it just doesn't happen or I hope it, you know, minimizes a lot. So I'm excited for week three, baby. Let's get it. Let's get Let's it. Let's get baby. it. Push and me. Make sure you're following we us. We'll, we'll see you guys next time.